I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 353. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. If this is your first time listening to more than a song, you have caught us in the middle of the Christmas season. Now, I normally use songs we are listening to on the radio to point us back to scripture. And I don't, I don't know about you, but Christmas music is playing on my radio. And last week, we spent some time looking at the portion of the Christmas story told in Matthew chapter one, where the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. And for King and Country has come out with an original Christmas song entitled The Carol of Joseph, I Believe in You. And we're going to use that to pick up where we left off last week and explore God's Word as it relates to this very special time of year. But in case you haven't heard it yet, let's listen. Breathless, trembling, wondering what's gonna happen next. Questions upon questions, his little heart beating on my chest. How can I be the one, the one to father the father? I chose a portion of the verses rather than the chorus this time because I was struck by the question proposed in the lyrics. I don't think it's too far-fetched to think that Joseph may have asked, how can I be the one to father the father's son? And while this question is not found in scripture, what we can see in scripture is a real man that really lived and we can see and learn a lot about him as we stay entrenched in the scriptures surrounding the birth of Christ this Christmas season. Now, last week, I encouraged you to read and reread Matthew and Luke chapters one and two. Uh, I'm issuing the same challenge this week. Stay in there. Perhaps this is the longest you've ever stayed focused on one section of scripture before. And if you want to know the benefits of repetition in reading, check out last week's episode where I discussed that in a little bit more detail. So we're going to continue to use the bite of repetition this week. Um, Now, BITE is an acronym for Bible Interaction Tool Exercises. I share BITES with you each week to help you incorporate simple habits into your Bible study time to help you interact with God's Word, kind of getting past just reading it. And I want the Word to get in you, and then I just know the Holy Spirit's going to do the rest. But you will have to do the work first. So let's keep it fun and interesting with these interaction tool exercises, shall we? So keep reading these chapters, keep listening to them, and this week we will be focusing on the details of Joseph inspired by our song. So it's only appropriate to follow the bite of remembering that the people described in the Bible were real. Joseph is not a metaphor. He was a real guy with real hopes and aspirations, real struggles, real questions, 
and real responses. And while we aren't told novels of information about him, I think it's worth our time to explore Joseph's role in the Christmas account. Now, just a side note, I try really hard not to say say the word story when I'm referring to narratives in scripture. I'm not trying to be legalistic or anything. I just think when we say story, it can get mixed up in our heads and hearts with fantasy or legend or lore. And God's word is not fantasy. It is a purposeful collection of writing to point us to our Redeemer. Now, also, if you have children, and uh, you would never want them to lump God's word into uh, in their minds with other storybooks, right? So like I said before, I'm not legalistic about it. You may hear me say it from time to time. And I do love the idea that the Bible is one grand story. The theological term meta-narrative points this out, that God takes all of the seemingly unrelated writings and weaves a red thread of redemption through to the very last pages. But God's word is also useful to us. Don't forget Timothy 3 says, um, 1 Timothy 3 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And I, I, I say all of this to remind us that Joseph is not a character in a story as much as he was a real guy that God included in his grand narrative of redemption. Now, the next bite that we're going to use is the bite of making a list, sort of. I normally make lists of items in long verses or sets of verses to break things down for me in my head. It just helps me kind of slow down and organize the thoughts in my head. Now, this time I want to make a list of all of the times Joseph is mentioned or is most likely present to get a picture of what we really can know about him. I also want to compare and contrast him with another person detailed in scripture in the Old Testament. I've been reading about Moses and his response to God's call on his life, and I'm struck by the contrast of Joseph's response to the Lord and Moses's response, or at least his initial response. So are you ready? All right, great. Let's dive in. Now, if you've been reading and rereading Matthew, you haven't been skipping over the genealogy, have you? (laughs) I loved unpacking the legacy of Christ in episode 149, A Few Christmas. Christmas seasons ago, and you might check that one out. And I chuckle because I've been known to skip over the genealogy, like just, okay, yeah, names, 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 I got it. But so if you're in the habit of skipping over the genealogy, you might miss a few details that jumped out at me this week as I kind of forced myself to read it. Okay, so the opening line tells us the purpose of the genealogy. It says in Matthew chapter one, verse one, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, so this shows that Jesus is in the line of David and the line of Abraham. And this is incredibly important because Christ is the ultimate uh, one to fulfill the covenants given to David and Abraham. All right, but don't miss this part too. And this can be uh, the first mention on your list about Joseph if you're making your own list. In verse 16, it says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Now, this is the first mention of Joseph. And isn't it interesting, his role as detailed by scripture, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Now, uh, Christ is Christos in Greek, and it means the anointed one or the Messiah. And the original readers of this genealogy would probably know and understand this a lot better than we do today. But I just find it interesting (laughs) that... um, You know, if you take the bite of observation, what did you observe about the way that Joseph was first mentioned? Notice he was called the husband of Mary, not 
the father of Jesus. And if you've been reading and rereading the scripture, this would jump right out at you because the rest of the genealogy was the father of, the father of, the father of, the father of. All right, so this is the first indication right out of the gate that while Joseph was part of Jesus's life on earth, he was not, quote, the father of Jesus. He was rather the husband of Mary of whom Jesus was born. And you might ask me here, well, I thought you were intrigued by the lyric in our song that asks, how can I be the one to father the father's son? Well, I am intrigued by this question because he must have asked it. He knew he wasn't the father of Jesus. But he was still tasked with raising him. And Joseph still had to provide for Jesus from conception through the time that God gave him on earth. He was still responsible. And while it's good for us to really comprehend the theology behind the virgin birth, we don't want to twist it in any way. It is still okay, though, to identify with the fallible humans in the life of our infallible Savior. And I think we need both. Uh, You don't ever want to study your study of scripture to be so academic that you lose the life and personal nature of it. Uh, But you also don't want to set aside the the strong uh, understanding of the theology and the doctrines that scripture declares. So God included these narratives on purpose. (laughs) So let's enjoy them. Okay. Now, my next set of observations about Joseph comes from the text that we looked at last week. Uh, Mary and Joseph were betrothed. Now, in those times, betrothal was as binding as a marriage contract. So when Joseph discovered Mary was pregnant, he could only assume what we would all assume. She broke her promise to him and she would be considered an adulteress. Uh, We also learn that scripture describes Joseph as a just man. Joseph was unwilling to put Mary to shame and Joseph resolved to divorce her quietly. This is a good time to stop and meditate on scripture. Meditation is another bite I use. Don't freak out. I'm not asking you to empty your mind as in Eastern meditation. In fact, just the opposite. Fill your mind with the details of scripture and then think about them. Let them roll around in your head a bit. And when you pair meditation with remembering that Joseph was real, scripture can come alive to you in your mind. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever had the awful life-changing experience of being cheated on in a relationship, but this is where we are here. Joseph had a life plan that was playing out, and it all came crashing down around him when Mary got pregnant for someone else. Uh, We have the pleasure of hindsight here. We know the rest of the story. We know that Mary didn't cheat on Joseph, but Joseph didn't know Mary didn't cheat on Joseph. In fact, I asked a friend recently um, who had to unfortunately endure the trauma of this very situation of being cheated on. And I asked her, I said, um, what feelings, uh, what, what are your top three feelings? And so I think these could be Joseph's top three feelings. Anger, victimized, self doubt. Yet through all of this, we see him come to the place of resolving to divorce Mary quietly so as not to put her to shame. Interesting. You know, he believed she was worthy of the shame she brought on herself and him, but was unwilling to pile on more through a public display. No wonder he was described as a just man. Now there's more. I'm just scratching the surface and kind of giving you a launching point. There's a lot packed into those few verses. Uh, and it and hopefully you'll be able to, depending on your background and your experiences and all of that, um, you will approach this section of scripture differently, I'm sure. This is not a two-verse time frame for Joseph. This is a gut-wrenching time for him, full of emotion, full of wrestling and rehearsing, 
full of difficult decisions that he didn't take lightly or make quickly because scripture goes on to say, as he considered these things. So Joseph was meditating on the situation. And in that time of wrestling, God had an opportunity to speak to him and change the course of his life forever. In fact, God had a miraculous answer to his heartbreaking situation. And most people wouldn't understand. Uh, The path forward also wasn't easy. But Joseph chose to trust God and believe in him. So going back to our list, we can add an angel appeared to him during this time of consideration. Uh, We know that the angel appeared to him in a dream. In fact, spoiler alert, God seems to only communicate with Joseph in his dreams. Uh, This stuck out to me in contrast with Luke's account of Gabriel meeting with Mary. It seems that he met with her face to face, not in a dream. Uh, The Another fact about Joseph is the angel calls Joseph son of David. And this highlights the role that is so important that Joseph is playing as far as um, the line of David that Christ would come from. Uh, The angel confirms what Mary probably already told Joseph, which is that the Holy Spirit is the father of the baby growing inside of her. The angel tells him to name the baby Jesus, which was a common name then. It it actually means Yahweh saves, which makes sense in the context of the message from the angel when he said, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Uh, Here's the kicker for me. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. He knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus period. When he woke up, he obeyed to the letter. Um, I've been reading a new Bible study by my friend Chris Syme over at womenfinishingwell.com. I have the privilege of reading through an advanced copy, but I'll be telling you more about it when it releases in the new year. It is so good. It's called The Mary Answer, Embracing God's Disruptions and Detours. And in it, Chris talks about Moses and his bag full of excuses when God first calls him from the wilderness of Midian back to Egypt to lead God's people out of slavery. Uh, We don't have time to unpack it all on the podcast today, so if you're unfamiliar with the story, go check it out for yourself in the opening chapters of Exodus. Uh, But when you land in Exodus chapter 3 and see an angel appearing to Moses in a burning bush and God speaking out of the bush and saying, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt, what you don't see after that is when Moses heard from God, he did as he instructed. Uh, No, when God said, come, I will send you, Moses says this, why me? What if they don't follow me? What if they don't believe me? I'm not good at public speaking. And finally, uh, here's the kicker. Please send someone else. Holy moly. I am glad that we have the rest of the account because God mightily used Moses despite Moses. All right. But what about you? Are you a wake up and do what God said kind of person or a please pick someone else kind of person? And before we move on, I'm struck by the contrast between Moses in front of a burning bush in bare feet because God declared it holy ground, unpacking his bag of excuses, and Joseph, who could have said, wow, that was a crazy dream, and moved on with his kind resolve to divorce Mary quietly. I think it just proves that the flair in which God uses to speak to you doesn't matter. Your response is what matters, and we can choose to be a Joseph or a Moses in our initial responses to God. 
But let's get back to Joseph. There's so much more and not enough time, of course, as always. Your list will uh, hopefully be more detailed than this. But here's just a few highlights, things that I don't want you to miss as you read through uh, these scriptures uh, again and again and again, uh, looking for details about Joseph. So what was Joseph doing and thinking when Mary was gone for three months visiting her cousin Elizabeth? That's one of my questions. Uh, Foreign dignitaries visited his house and brought expensive gifts. What was that like? Um, Another dream sends Joseph to a foreign land to protect his family. Again, he obeys. No questions asked. Uh, Another dream brings them all back to Israel to a land uh, to end up landing in the town where it all started. Nazareth. Many prophecies are fulfilled with all of these detailed moving plans. And that's just in Matthew's account. What about Luke's details? The census that brought them to Bethlehem, which is where they were still living when the wise men came. The shepherds and their story on the night of Christ's birth. This wouldn't be so unbelievable to Joseph, who had his own angel accounts, right? Uh, Joseph was there when Jesus was presented at the temple at eight days old. He heard the prophetic words over this baby that he was to raise. And then there's this amazing time when Jesus was a boy and they left him in Jerusalem. Now, I mean, I've lost my kids for a minute or two in the store, but never for three days. I love how Mary says, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Notice that she refers to Joseph as his father, but Jesus corrects this misnomer again when he replies, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Capital F, father. Oh, there are so many details to ponder. Uh, we can actually learn a lot more about Joseph than first meets the eye by interacting with God's word. So what's next? Well, use repetition, observation, and meditation to learn and consider more about Joseph. Compare and contrast Joseph's recorded responses to the Lord with Moses in Exodus chapter 3. And interact with God's word. And, and while, you're do, while you do, ask yourself, will I be a wake up and do what God said kind of person or a please pick someone else kind of person? And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat, on Instagram at michellekneezat, or on Facebook. Uh, my public page is Michelle L. Nizat, and let's talk about what you're learning. Now, if you have not joined the 30-Day Music Challenge yet, I highly recommend it. The challenge is to listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days, and you are never too late to jump in. Just submit your name and email address at michellekneezat.com forward slash 30-Day Challenge, and you're in. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week. I want to thank any new subscribers who've subscribed recently, like Donna from Illinois, Mary Ellen from Pennsylvania, Wendy from Texas, Ashley from North Carolina, Evelyn from New York, and Sean from California. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website benefit from uh, a one-page resource of my top five bites. I hope it's a really effective tool for you. It's a great place to start. Subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You will also get an email recap of the week's episode and instant access to any of the extra resources I create for my episodes from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? Uh, This encourages me, of course, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneezat.com through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. 
Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. I hope you're enjoying the Christmas music as much as I am. Next week, I will be using Light of the World, Sing Hallelujah by We the Kingdom to point us to Scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 353. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.